This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Wayne Goldsmith, the international coaching expert, joins us on the program now for the first time in 2020. Good morning, Wayne. Happy New Year, guys. Wow, what a fantastic start to the year. Oh, it's great to have you back on board and Happy New Year to you as well. There's a lot to talk about, mate, uh, over the, well, that's A, coming to, to light over, I guess, over the Christmas period, but also just uh, in general in youth sport and professional sport. But first off, what did you get up to over the Chrissy period, over the break? Mate, I had this bizarre, absolutely bizarre start that uh, my beautiful wife booked a week on a houseboat up near Fraser Island and I've been looking forward to it for so long and as it would happen is the week before, one of my major clients rang me up and said, Wayne, I know you're on holidays, I know you're about to do this, but we've got a, a crisis on at the moment, we really need you at this meeting, so... I had this bizarre thing where I drove the family from the Gold Coast up to Rainbow Beach, put them on the boat, made sure they were settled, drove around to Maroochydore, flew to Melbourne, spent a couple of days there working, flew back to Maroochydore, 200 k's back to Rainbow Beach, and we had to pay a local fisherman 50 bucks to put me on a little (laughs) boat and get me out to the family, and it was not a big boat, and it was pretty bad weather, and I barely got there, so... Yeah, that was the start. So when my blood pressure calmed down <laughs> and we relaxed, I had a few days up around Rainbow Beach off Fraser Island, just, just beautiful dugongs and turtles and rays and sharks and fish. It was it was fantastic. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Hey, um, sounds like a fantastic uh, and or hectic <laughs> Christmas break and New Year's as well. But we're back into it now and we're back into it here at Sport FM. And there's a few different talking points, of course. One that's uh, popped up a couple of times is, of course, the, the hazardous breathing conditions over there in the east, especially around the, uh, the tennis. Uh, the Big Bash as well has had a few and uh, local cricket where games have been cancelled. Um, I guess the question is, how do you deal with that as a coach? And when you've got professional players and professional athletes, is it something where you almost refuse to play or is there conditioning that you can do to get used to it or, or, or what? what's, uh, what's your take on it all? Well, the, the Australian Open is, is always very well run. The, the Craig Tiley does a sensational job leading that organisation and they're always very, very proactive in making sure that it's the most player-friendly tournament on the tour, but I, don't, I really don't know what they do, Chris. They're, they're, mm. they're, they could close the roof and they could they could turn the air conditioning on and say, but the air's got to come from somewhere. The air inside's got to come from outside. And I don't know how effective their, their filtering is, but that, that's going to be a real dilemma for them because it's it's really the, the, the ornament, not just of uh, tennis, but it's the number one, as I understand it, it's the number one watched sporting event globally, Australian sporting event that's watched around the world, and it's a great promotion for Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, there's hundreds of millions of dollars involved in this. So making a change without thinking about the implications to both player welfare and to the, the enormous financial implication that it's got in tourism, television, 
um, social media where I, I wouldn't want to be in their position at the moment. But, mate, ultimately, it's player welfare first and foremost. They've got to take care and be seen to be doing everything they can to ensure the safety and welfare of the players first. Let's stick with the tennis. So let's stick with Ash Barty coming into it as number one player in the world. Saying at the press conference, yeah, I know, there's no pressure, which I think is bulldust. So as a coach and as her support group, deny or embrace what's happening? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Happy New Year to you, mate. I, look, uh, everyone's going to be different. I don't know her personally. I got it. I'm just such a believer in honesty is the best policy. I, I reckon you look at the, the camera, you look at the media and say, well, of course it's pressure. And it's a home, uh, it's a home event, a home grand slam. Nobody's won it for such a long period of time. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of the weight of history. But you know what? I'm going to train for this. I'm going to give it everything I've got and I'll do everything I can until my arms fall off to win this tournament for myself and my country. You know, you could you could get on the front foot with that. I mean, where does the media go with that? What's the what's the follow up question to? Yep, I'm aware. I'm giving everything I got. Me and I will fight to the last drop of energy I've got to win this thing for me and my country. Where do they go next? There's nowhere. Whereas if they, I, I totally agree with you. If they sit there and say, "Oh, no, no, there's no pressure," no, no one really believes that. They know no one honestly believes that, and. And I mean, she's such an ornament to the game and such a brilliant player and just doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes in the media. Maybe they want to go back and rethink that strategy another time. One thing that, uh, there was an article in the ABC about pressure on kids and when, you know, how young it becomes. And we have all these championships where there's selectors and they're they're put into programs. And uh, are we trying to push them too early? Um, Are we then forgetting the kids that don't get into it, that, that miss out, and, you know, that we get these state programs or um, pathways that if you don't get in early, are we, are we putting pressure on too much? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think, I think just a quick story. I was in uh, New South Wales. I was in Sydney uh, late last year at a football conference, football coaching conference, and a guy grabbed me during the break and he said, Wayne, I want to tell you about this exciting thing that we've got going here. It's called the Striking Academy. And I thought, is he talking about boxing or what's he doing? And he said, no. He said, look, he said, we've realised in my business, and he's a coach first and foremost, but also a good business mind. He said, we've realised first and foremost that kids and parents don't sit around dreaming of being a left back or being an inside defender. They all dream of being scorers and strikers and, and you know, kicking the winning goal in the, the World Cup or for Man U or whatever it is. And he said, so we came up with a business model where we've got 28 specific skills and techniques kids need to learn to become world-class strikers. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I said, how old do you take the kids? And he said, five. And I thought, wow, this guy is hit on just it, it, philosophically such a terrible idea but from a business perspective, such a brilliant idea, and that's where the, the problem is, I think, is that he's gone, parents are super vulnerable and desperately want that level of success and see their kids scoring goals, and he's turned that into a business model. And the, the problem, I reckon, we've got, Chris, is that 
the, the sporting, as we've all spoken about, that's football, uh, Federation, WA, and, the, and AFL, and NRL, they're all talking the same language about late specialisation, don't specialise the kids too early. They're talking that type of long-term approach to development. But increasingly, the business guys are coming in and saying, all right, well, if that's what the official line is, we'll be offering kids and parents this promise of glory at a much younger age and make a bucket of money out of it because they're so vulnerable to that. And I went, wow, this I, I've never seen this, but I've seen elite academies and paid coaching, obviously, over the years. But this is rising very quickly where you've got this mixed message now in the industry. You've got the, the federations, the state associations, all towing the same line, late specialisation, no pressure too early, holistic development. And then this emergence of these private providers, private academies, saying, no, that's good, but we'll take your kids at five and here's our elite academy program. Uh, And it's it's only going to grow. It's going to grow fascinating times. Yeah, no, it's very, very interesting. If you want to have your say on that this morning, you can, 94187700, international coaching expert Wayne Goldsmith joining us this morning. Wayne, I mentioned a little bit earlier on, Barcelona have uh, got a new coach. He's uh, 60-odd years old. But overall in world football, there seems to be a bit of a trend with younger coaches. We are talking NFL a little bit earlier on with Josh Wine. It looks like head coaches in the NFL are getting younger as well. There seems to be a trend uh, around world sport where they're looking to youth rather than experience is that something that uh, you've noticed as well and i guess what's the reasoning behind it is it just for the fresh ideas a, a bit of it is chris and i think that you know the the there's a, there's a great line this is where i turn into tony robbins without the big teeth and the money for a moment but there's a great line which is attitudes are contagious is yours worth catching that that uh, yeah, sometimes mm. having someone come in fresh passionate energetic enthusiastic and just bubbling with excitement around the opportunity they've been given. Sometimes that can be a real, uh, fill up a real injection in the arm, uh, not literally, to an environment. But there's a lot of, there's a big jump of faith, isn't there, that that you get that, okay, the assumption is, the stereotype is the young, um, creative, innovative coach coming in with a lot of new ideas, educated through a different system, coming in injecting energy and all oh, the old guy just doing the laps and the hard work and the hard yards and as it is with all things I, I reckon it's it's got to be that balance that I, I think that you know you bring in that young energy and creativity and enthusiasm at the same time then you're looking all right well we're going to have to have someone who's unflappable under pressure very experienced can build relationships with players through a different type of mechanism, being maybe dad when they need to be or granddad at different times, different set of skills, uh, has the experience of knowing the history and what's come before and combine that. And the other thing is to say to coaches who've been in the game for a while in any sport, uh, guys, get off your backside and start learning some new stuff. I mean, in your hand, Mm. uh, if you've been coaching 30, 40 years, guys, in your hand right now, is the greatest information tool that you've ever had as a coach. You can, if you're in AFL, I bet you can Google top 10 coaching tips from Alistair Clarkson, uh, warm-up techniques from Collingwood Football Club, strength and conditioning from West Coast Eagles. It's everything you've ever wanted to know is in your hand. Hmm. And if you're a senior coach and you're a little bit concerned 
about maybe being replaced by a younger, more energetic coach coming through, get off your bums and learn faster, accelerate your learning, because there's no excuse now. It's all right there for you. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting article, wasn't it, from... In the, uh, I think it was in Forbes or New York Times or one of those where they just talked about the the, the philosophical shift in NFL yeah. where they're looking at younger coaches because in their argument there's been too much of the same stuff done the same way for too long and the game was starting to become very predictable and very boring. And uh, Yeah, that's a fascinating one, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, loving it, and uh, I'd love to hear our listeners' thoughts on it as well. Young coaches versus old coaches, what's better? Is there a better option? I'd love to hear our listeners' takes on it. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate you jumping on, and, uh, yeah, very glad to have you on board once again in 2020. No, fantastic, guys. Can't wait for the rest of the year. Good man. Cheers, thank man. you. Wayne Goldsmith, international coaching expert. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.